Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 Anajar and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Chats with Brent Martineau. Oh, we love our job sometimes, don't we? I mean, how about this? We're out in Baldwin, and we are sitting in the back of the pickup truck. We got a softball field behind us. It is blazing hot in the middle of May. We're sweating it up, and nobody cares because there's a big softball game here tonight. Keystone Heights, Baldwin, and uh, should be a dandy of a game. And Baldwin, very good this year. Keystone Heights has been excellent as well. And uh, we're here for the uh, duration until 6 o'clock, and then I'll do some TV at 6.50, and then we'll have some highlights tonight. There's uh, several softball games. Kind of a cool deal out here, by the way, is uh, I think Clay County and some of the uh, schools have graduation tomorrow night. This game was supposed to be tomorrow night. Same thing happened for Middleburg, and they're going to Lincoln, Tallahassee-Lincoln. Well, they moved the games to tonight to accommodate graduation. I don't think everybody did that because I think there are some schools in action tomorrow, and I guess they will miss graduation. Uh, but you know what? If you're playing this time of year, I love you moms and dads and educators. To me, I'd rather be playing ball this time of year and fighting for a state championship than walking across the stage. That's just me. That's just me, Casey Kurtz. But uh, I know those moms and dads and everybody else would love to see them walk across. So it's cool that they could accommodate uh, for some of the schools I don't think everybody's uh, going to be accommodated for. Did you know that, Casey Kurtz, that uh, the year we went to the College World Series at Ashland University, I did not walk across the stage and graduate at Ashland University. Instead, we were playing, so I missed graduation. I did not know that. That's a, that's a fun fact right there, Brent Martineau. But that's the thing, man. I mean, if you're going to be playing this time of year, that's what, you, that's what it's all about. Yeah. A chance to play. So, no doubt. I uh, like that. I'm hoping we make it through the show today because I'm just a little concerned everything will melt. I oh. mean, it is really hot. Like, I love hot. I don't care about the hot. Like, I have no, these guys are like, you sure you don't want to go to the shade and this and that? I'm like, no, nah, I don't care. Like, I really don't. Um, I'm, so, I'm going to be sweating. So, if you're watching the Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, shouldn't wear in gray, bro. Uh, yeah, um, it was like the coolest. This UNF shirt I have is like a really, you know, that comfortable, cool. Swoop it up. Like, yeah, it's, and so I wear it a lot <laughs> this time of year. <laughs> you got to get the light shirt on. But, uh, but yeah, you'll be seeing me sweat all day. Um, and I don't care. Like, I really have this umbrella, if you're watching on the feeds, because of the equipment. What happens sometimes is this thing will get, like, fried hot. It is that kind of hot out. So hopefully we keep everything cool. Um, if we go out all of a sudden, it's because of that. But uh, then oh, we'll good. get it back and, and running. So be aware. Be ready, Casey, back there. Never uh, been more so, ready, Brent. Uh, it's uh, awesome to be out here in Baldwin. Huge game tonight. Uh, we'll talk about some of the other local sports uh, in a bit. But how about the big story? What are you doing, Nick Saban? I mean, holy cats, Nick Saban. What is going on? Why are we doing this? And then Jimbo Fisher, his golf buddy, boom, right back at him. I mean, you got to love the off-season feud here. I've got a lot of thoughts, by the way. I've had a lot of uh, – I've been very consistent with my thought process on NIL and just big-time college football and college basketball to begin with. And so I'm going to get to that and circle it back to Nick Saban where I think he is in the wrong. I tweeted last night that I thought this were, these were dangerous comments from Saban. And – I did not expect Jimbo Fisher to just go all in. But his program got targeted. I mean, essentially, he's trying to say he's doing things the wrong way. Casey, I mean, this is awesome. Saban and Fisher. And I blame Saban more than Fisher. Yeah, I mean, you just got to respond. You defend your players. You defend your athletes. You defend everybody that you can if you're Jimbo Fisher. I love it. Dude went ape. Dude just totally ripped him, which is something you don't really see with Nick Saban coming from someone who... 
I'm going to say an equal, right? They were co- they coached together. They know each other. I'll say equal. So I think it's fascinating that Jimbo is going to publicly rip him and say some things like check into his past and maybe some will. I think we all kind of assume some things about the Alabama program and how they get some of those players in there. But I think Jimbo Fisher is trying to open that up and make us look into it a little more than we already have been. Listen, I think people, if you're an Alabama fan, I know we know many of them and plenty of them uh, in this area. Well, then, listen, you can protect your guy. I get it. Um, I, I think people did blow this up, maybe even a little bit more of the context part of it, because they brew it in. Br- take away the Texas A&M side. They blew this up to be like, well, he doesn't want kids making money. I don't think that's what he said necessarily. He was basically going after more of the Jimbo Fishers, the institutions that are bringing these kids in and paying them and and using the NIL to recruit, right? I mean, that was my interpretation of it anyway. Mm -hmm. But you have both sides, right? You have your NIL where, you know, $11.5 million a year coach, Nick Saban, the the king of the hill, he's mad that kids are now making money because they can play football while he earns money. And then you have this other side. Like, I didn't think it was as that much as other people on social media did. But then this other side was, you can't just call out another school for and say paying players. Like, that is like, that is how SMU got the death sentence. Right. You know, that is how people have been in trouble in the sport for a long time. I mean, he basically is accusing them just because what they had, like the top recruiting class. Like, this was, Nick Saban doesn't say anything by mistake either. Like, he went after these guys. And, and then did you see Deion Sanders even took umbrage with it? Yeah. And, and, and I don't know if that was a separate thing or if he just took umbrage with that. Um, but I think it actually was because he, he referred to, uh, you know, the kid that's getting the or paying him a million dollars for the NIL to come to Jackson State, uh, uh-huh. Travis Hunter. And, I mean, there's just a lot here. Why did Nick Saban do this? I mean, Nick Saban, I think, is very well respected. Nick Saban, he doesn't need to do this. He's still one of the best. They're still going to be great. I didn't get this, man. I mean, this was like out of left field last night where boom, 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 it started popping. I was like, holy cow, what is going on here? And uh, Nick Saban made himself into a major headline. And this thing isn't going to go away. I mean, you've got SEC media days coming up. You've got Texas, Alabama down the road. You've got a football season. Uh, you've already got a salty conversation around NIL to begin with. You've got old guard, new guard. You've got... Uh, not afraid to spend the money, afraid to spend the money. You've got slippery slopes all over the place. And now Saban really adds fuel to the fire here. I just didn't think he would be the guy to do this. I, I really didn't. Like, listen, Dabo Sweeney, Sweeney's done a little bit of this, but not to this degree. Like, Dabo Sweeney isn't going around accusing Jimbo Fisher and Texas A&M of, of paying people to play, paying their entire roster, Casey. Yeah, and I'm sure Dabo's not going to do it after what uh, Jimbo Fisher said today. But just real quick, if you're maybe a little bit confused, this is the clip from Nick Saban talking. They got they got Jimbo Fisher to respond the way that he did. And you've read about them. You know who they are. I mean, we were second in recruiting last year. A&M was first. A&M bought every player on their team, made a deal for name, image, and likeness. All right, we didn't buy one player. All right, but I don't know if we're going to be able to sustain that in the future because more and more people are doing it. But to, and, to your point, Jimbo why? Fisher's, yeah, why? Why? And as Jimbo Fisher, by the way, everything is out there now. So he's talking to whatever, and he's, I think Jimbo Fisher said, ironically, he's at a place where he's asking people for money. And is that why he went here? Like, hey, start building up the bank accounts, start building up the budgets, because we're going to need to do this too? Like, was that his, and he didn't realize that everything would get out there and beyond? Like, I don't know. 
or was this intentional? I got to believe he's a smarter guy than that. Like he knows. Oh sure. Everything's going to be out there. Um, and this was like a reporter that did it. Like so, a reporter was there, and um, it's just uh, it's it's a wild scenario. Do you have the Jimbo Fisher song? Because this is the stuff. I mean, I do. Jimbo. Now listen, we've been all over the place today. We had some stuff we were taping. I saw the Jimbo Fisher comments. He was at one time looked right into the camera like I'm doing right now and issued his message at this at this point. And but like he had the Texas A and M screen. This was not at a golf tournament. This was not at some event. This was like I think he called the he news did. conference for it. this, right? Mm-hmm. And so I mean, boom, just like that. Now I would have it was interesting that he's still emotional about it, which I love, by the way, for our circumstance. But I almost was thinking when I'm listening to Jimbo Fisher talk, would he have been better served to maybe wait two or three days on this and then come out with something? Um, but he went straight right back at Saban, and holy cow, it's good stuff. Listen. It's a shame that you're going to sit here and defend 17-year-old kids and families and Texas A&M because we do things right. We're always going to do things right. But we're always going to be here. We're doing a heck of a job. These coaches have done a great job. Our players have done a great job. The whole organization of recruiting people. It's despicable that we got to sit here at this level of ball and, and say these things to defend the people of this organization, the kids, 17-year-old kids and their families. It's amazing. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his, his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can find out anything you want to find out, what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. It really is. And it's a shame we have to sit up here and have this conversation about things we do. And it's personal to us? Yes, it is. It's personal to A&M. It's personal to our players. It's personal to our coaches and everybody involved. And I know the guy. know him really well. Wow. I mean, again, we're talking Jimbo Fisher. That's a buddy of his. Like, that's a golf. He's a disciple of Saban. And then he really peels back the curtain there. And we're going to get into that part. But do you blame Jimbo? Do you think this was good, Jimbo? Like, I've got somebody already on social media. And, again, we're going to get this from the Alabama crowd. I understand. Like, that's fine. You want to defend your guy. I'm not not against Alabama. I'm not against Nick Saban. Uh, I have some thoughts about how Saban has changed the game to get to this point, and he doesn't want to admit it in a moment, and I think he could take a different road, which would actually help college football and all of this stuff, but I'll get to that in a little bit. But Doug says, huh, what did Nick say that was inaccurate? Uh, A&M got players to attend using promise of NIL, which is not illegal to my knowledge. Nick states that the model is not sustainable, and Jimbo acts like he is accused of 58 felonies. Never said anyone cheated. No. But when you in college football say that they bought every one of their players, he did not say they had some good NIL money, they spent more NIL money than someone else. They could have said that. He could have said, hey, they spent more NIL money than anyone else. He said he bought every one of his players. Mm -hmm. When you say it in that context, the perception is, like I brought up, SMU or cheating or whatever. It's been going on in college sports forever. And so that's been a big thing in college sports. That's the elephant in the room in college sports. And he is actually just throwing some, stoking that fire big time right now with the words and the way he said that. And he didn't say, A&M might have got some players on the NIL. Did A&M get every player on the NIL? I mean, that's going to come out. Like, we'll find out. Did they get every player? Is that how they're recruiting only? Texas A&M's a good school. Jimbo Fisher's a good coach. Jimbo Fisher's always recruited well. And so just, like, I would be pissed off if I was Jimbo Fisher, too. 
because you're telling me now that my program only got the number one recruiting class or my program's only here because we had to use NIL money. Well, that's, that's not true. Fisher has made himself a pretty good career and established himself as a good coach, good recruiter, and I would take offense to that too. And by the way, just the notion that you say bought players – Again, that is a bad notion. I don't care if NIL exists or not. Mm-hmm. To the masses, people don't people don't take it like that. Like that, we can go semantics on the words. I understand what Doug's saying here, but that is not the way that was pushed out there, and that is a bad way to push anything out there in college sports in general. So um, that was bad, man. It was all on Saban, and I mean, I kind of like I like Fisher coming back here. What I don't know is. I don't know where this leads. Like, is their friendship over? Like, never playing golf again? I mean, I mean, it feels like it. Probably not an easy recovery from that, right? I think, to your point, I'm not mad at Jimbo Fisher. I think you do what you have to do. I like the way that he kind of started it, right? He didn't come out. That wasn't the first thing he said. He kind of he defended his student-athletes and his coaches, which I think was the right thing to do. And then he ripped Coach Saban like we just heard. And I think I'm not mad at anything Jimbo Fisher did because you have to defend your program and what you guys do and that you do it in the right way. Sure, there's NIL involved in this. I don't. He didn't argue that at any point in time. He just argued that we didn't cheat. And I think what he did is exactly what – I'm I'm not mad at him at all. I'm, I agree with you. This is a Nick Saban thing that when you open up this situation and leave yourself open to the criticism and the comeback, he might have done something that he d- shouldn't have and realized down the road that's going to make him look worse at the end of the day than maybe he tried to do with Jimbo Fisher. By the way, it also makes one of the great winners of all time in any sport, but especially college football, it's just very sour grapes-ish. You know, like we hate – it's the worst thing to do is complain after losses. Well, they lost to A&M last year. They lost in the recruiting world to them. And now you're complaining. And by the way, they didn't lose much. Mm. They lost a football game, so what? You lose now and again. You lost. You were number two. They were number one recruiting. Is that going to make the difference on the field? Not if you're a good coach, you know? Yeah, Not if absolutely. you're the better coach. So, I mean, it's like a little. It just doesn't come on the heels of anything good to exploit Texas A&M. Now, maybe, listen, maybe Texas A&M's doing some stuff. Or maybe every college football team is doing some stuff. Exactly. Right? Because we all freaking know it. And we've always known it. And everybody knows it. And everybody turns their head, turns their cheek, and doesn't mind it. But now, the part that got me interested is one thing if they're going to bang heads and they're going to have a war of words. But Jimbo now, what does he mean by that? That Nick Saban. Go look behind the curtain. Go ask his coaches. Go see what he's done. How did he get there? What does that mean? What are people going to be willing to share? I need to what, know. What are we going to think of Nick Saban after some of that, if it ever comes out? Yeah. No, I mean, he clarified it. He said he said what he said, and then he came back to him at the end and said, I know the guy. So, listen, he, he knows more than most, like I think most of the coaches do on Saban's staff over the years. And now we need to know, right? I don't need the NCAA to do an investigation in like 10 years we find out. Like, I need people to start talking that know things. I don't know if that's going to happen because then you got to go out against Nick Saban and that's not really a thing you do, right? That's probably a bad business decision for most. But I need to start finding out some things pretty much ASAP. Yeah, and I don't know you're going to. Yeah, you know, I, know. I, I think this is like uh, what now, – now what happens is here – I don't know how old Jimbo Fisher, maybe his late 50s. Jimbo has done a hell of a job. And – a hell of a job of absolutely pre-promoting his book at the end of his career. No, that's for sure. 56, I mean, by the way. My goodness. Jimbo, you retire in nine years or six years or whatever it is, and when that book comes out, I mean, I'm, I'm getting 
the pre-order. And I don't care about Texas A&M football, and I don't care about Alabama football. I don't care about Jimbo Fisher, and I don't care about Nick Saban, but I want the pre-order. There you go. Like, he did that at the very least. Because I really don't, what do you think? You think all these people are all of a sudden going to start saying stuff? No. They're all associated with it. Yeah. Like, anything Jimbo wants to say in those, guess who's associated with it? Guess who's also probably done it? To oh, some yeah. degree. Yeah. Because everybody does something to some degree in college sports. Like, well, I shouldn't say everybody. That's a bad blanket. But you get my point. The majority. And so, I mean, it's guilty by association because you're involved in college football, quite frankly. And the less you do it, uh, the more respect I have for you. But I'm not sure even if you told me you didn't do it, I would believe you. Yeah. And, and just the way we live, like, we are okay with it. I've said this many a times. We are okay with it. But now you bring something like this to light. And we're talking Nick Saban, like the GOAT, maybe. Right? The he, GOAT of college football. I don't maybe. think there's a maybe, but yeah. I mean, he's in the conversation. Yeah. I'll give it to you. Yeah, Bear Bryant fans will say what, what's up, you know. Yeah. Um, but I now do you bring that stuff into question? Do you start tarnishing a legacy? Like, does this have the feel of... Does this have the feel of Brady, Belichick, the Flategate? Or is this even bigger? Where it could really hammer a legacy if stuff comes out after Jimbo said, go look behind the curtain. No, I think I think this could hammer a legacy, but you have to, like, prove it, right? I think just if this is all that happens, like Jimbo Fisher gets mad and yells, and then nothing ever really comes out due to lack of people talking or nobody investigates it, whatever, then no, I think we just move on with life. But if it comes out that there was some serious cheating done, which granted there might not have been, there might have been, but if they're breaking a ton of violations over this entire dynasty run, yeah, that tarnishes everything because then everything goes out the window on how you won these championships. If you really did, uh, I shouldn't say really did because he wasn't accused of it, but if it comes out that money was involved and you did buy players, which you're accusing Texas A&M of doing, I think that changes everything. Granted, we all think to some degree that's been happening, right? But if it comes out at a large scale, then yeah, forget that. Yeah, it'd be really. I mean, what a wild. I mean, golly, that was unbelievable last night. It still is unbelievable to me. I love wild. it. Yeah. I love it. In a, thanks for sports radio. I love it. All right, uh, let's take a break. We're live at Baldwin High School. We play Keystone Heights tonight uh, in the regional finals, right to go to the Final Four. This is really a cool scene back here. <laughs> like, there's already five pickup trucks here. Yeah. And the game starts at seven. What, uh, you're going to have to update me, I guess, because I'm not from here. You're going to have to give me the background on the trucks. Honestly, I don't know much about it. I'll figure it out, too. We'll have oh. the softball coach on, too. Like, I was here last week. Stewart came out earlier in the week, mm-hmm. and this is, like, the first time I've been out here to do a softball game. This is what they do. Like, this whole outfield. I mean, we're right in a neighborhood here. I mean, this is Baldwin. It's kind of like small town, and yeah. and they love their stuff out here. They got a uh, spring football game tonight at 530. They got the, uh, the, the softball game at 7. Uh, the place will be packed. It was packed last week. But this is like the cool spot. I mean, you can, they'll have 15, 20 trucks. And the other night after the game, they even had fireworks after. They had fireworks? They had fireworks after the win. Yo, that is so, uh, that is awesome. By the way, on the stream, Brianna says, Brent, that's my former high school exclamation point. There you go, Brianna. Yeah. Uh, we like it out here in Baldwin. Uh, they're already taking care of us. We're going to have a little barbecue a little bit later. I mean, I heard uh, my I'm friend. Out here. You might. I heard my friend Dylan plugged in your extension cord. So there's just good people out there, Brent. You uh, know, you know Dylan, huh? I do know Dylan. Yeah, right, Dylan's right over there. He's been helping out. We ran an extension cord. Here's how nice the folks are in Baldwin. We almost ran us an extension cord to get power from the neighbor's house, right there. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. That will tell you about Baldwin. 
Good All people right. out there, man. Uh, we got more on Saban. We got PGA Championship. Tiger kind of struggles on the way home, but Rory does not. Uh, and uh, we have some fun stuff coming up in the show, including uh, we go to Hollywood for a segment uh, as well. So Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. On the road, once again, Baldwin High School for a big softball game. We'll be back on ESPN 690. For our players who are coming here, who did things the right way, have done things the right way, and will continue to do things the right way, I apologize to you that people insult you publicly the way they're doing it. And our fans, I, I, I apologize to you guys for people saying those things about Texas A&M. I promise you this, there are, no, there are no violations, there are nothing wrong. It's the second time we've had to do this with grown men who don't get their way and want to pout, throw a fit, and act up. That is Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M head coach, and uh, he is not happy. And I don't blame him after getting called out uh, by Nick Saban, the Alabama head coach, of course, yesterday at an event uh, where basically he said they bought players. And uh, it's bad uh, use of uh, verbiage in the college game. Uh, how accurate is it? I don't think we know. Uh, and this has all a tie to NIL. And so it's a huge story, big-time topic uh, here today, just all over the sports world. I mean, thanks, Nick Saban. Thanks, Jimbo Fisher, for giving us a little off-season college football buzz. <laughs> That's it. Welcome back to Baldwin, everybody. Brent Martineau out here. Casey Kurtz in the Action Sports Shack studios. Sitting on the back of the pickup truck, trying to get a little shade with the umbrella. It's hot out here, trying to get a little shade for the equipment. Uh, but we love it. It's awesome. Uh, if you're just jumping in the show, we're in the back of the pickup because this is I don't know what they call it, but I'm calling it pickup truck row out here in center field. Yeah, it feels, and they watch feels the uh, softball game. And there will be there's already five trucks. Like, they've got their positions. And I think there'll probably be 15, 20 of them. Uh, too deep. I don't know how I'm getting out of here tonight, but I'll figure You're it out not. later. You're not. That's the thing. <laughs> so, uh, and, and everybody, the kids come out. It's really a cool scene and a lot of fun. So, uh, uh, that's where we're here. And we'll watch some good softball tonight. Keystone Heights, Baldwin. I can tell you this. I know the softball world around here pretty well. Baldwin has uh, Piper Young on the mound. She's really good. And they also have a bunch of, like, younger uh, middle school kids. Because out here you can play in the eighth grade, seventh grade, if you're good enough, oh. play varsity. And, like, there was a home run in their win the other night by an eighth grader. That's um, dope. Yeah, so, I mean, they've got they've got some softball talent out here. Keystone Heights, we know a couple of the young ladies, uh, Kaylee has played with them. And, and, by the way, they, like, lit up Kaylee uh, this year. So yeah. they, could, they got some bats. Um uh, that was probably Kaylee's worst outing of the year, actually. Yeah, let's slam that point home. Keystone Heights. Yeah, let's go. Uh, so we got respect for Keystone All Heights. Right. <laughs> well, hey, I'm just keeping it real. Kaylee I, was awesome this year. But I, I do appreciate that about you. You do keep it real. You're like, hey, I Kaylee mean, got rocked last night. It was horrible. Like, That's what you're doing right now. I actually said this to Kaylee yesterday. I was like, do you think if you played Keystone Heights again that you would give up whatever you gave up? Because, again, they hit her pretty well. Um and I was like, because I, I don't think so. I said, I, don't, I think they were just had a really good night. They were on you. They knew what you were doing. They, sometimes you guess right. Maybe the ball got a little flat. You never know. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know. Like, I really still don't know why people, why pitchers give up hits and why they can't hit them in softball. Like, I mean, I understand if someone's throwing really hard, but not a lot of people around here throw, like, so hard that you can't hit it. Um, and I might ask the softball coaches, because Piper Young, like, I watched her pitch, and she throws pretty well. Like, she throws well. But, like, I don't understand why she's, like, can shut everybody down. It doesn't look like it would be that hard to contact, you know? Yeah. But spin is a thing in softball, and that's what makes Kaylee effective, really. Like, if you sat there and watched Kaylee, you'd be like, well, why can't everybody, why aren't they, like, scoring 10 runs a game? 
but the spin is what wins in yep. softball. It's almost more important than speed. And so, uh, but my point being, like, Keystone Heights is pretty good. At least Kaylee Martin, I think so. Okay. And Dad does, too. Uh, and Baldwin's very good. Now, Baldwin, I think, has lost just two games all year. Wow. That, that's hard to do in baseball and softball, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. just a couple of games. And you play a lot of tight games because there's so much parity around here. So, anyway, uh, we're here for the softball game. We'll have a lot of that on TV tonight um, as well. I want to finish off, at least for now, the Nick Saban conversation. Because when Nick Saban brings this stuff up, and, and this all happens, like we just talked about it for 20 minutes, like th- that's one thing. But, Casey, I've been very consistent over the years, especially when it comes to the NIL. But the downside of college football and big-time college basketball, I, I think, as well, is what happened here is the money has gotten out of control. It's turned into big business. We know the NCAA tournament, like, basically funds athletic departments across the country. Um, we know the SEC, and, and it, it's an arms race with the ACC and the Big Ten, and, and we know the checks they cut to each school after each season because of the TV deals. It's big business. Like, that's what it is, and nobody in NCAA athletics really wants to fully admit it. They'll tell you it, but they don't want to fully admit it. And so, but along the way, one thing happened, in my estimation, that got us to this point of NIL. And the thing that happened is not just the big money for the schools getting the checks. It's the check that the coaches started to get. And Nick Saban should be the highest paid coach in college football. Sure. But I'm just not convinced Nick Saban should earn $11.5 million a year for coaching football. Now, from Nick Saban's point of view, Nick Saban probably should. He brings a ton of money into the campus. He brings a ton of money into the football program. He brings a ton of kids in for admissions. Like, I've been told that people have been recruited by Alabama and other sports. There's like this one-off for every every. Um, uh, sport. Mm-hmm. When you bring in recruits, like if you have a top flight recruit, Saban will actually like invite them to practice or into their office and, and he'll take the time with like this top flight recruit, like one of them. You get like a one card in each sport is what I've been told. That's interesting. And that's how powerful he is on campus. So, and by the way, he's earned that. Like, that's cool. Like, he's really good. But what he and other coaches didn't see coming as they kept grabbing and grabbing and saying, I earned this, I need this, I, I, I help you make money, I'm the engine that does this, which is pretty accurate. Well, they have elevated their status so much on campus and their checkbooks, so, checking accounts so much that now the kid's like, what about me? What about me? Like, you want me to pay, come here for $25,000 a year, yet I'm making you rich mm-hmm. and I'm making the school rich. And by the way, kids don't say that, but the whole st- – like, overall, that's kind of what's happened. And so I think Nick Saban, instead of moaning and groaning about stuff like this, I think the best thing he could do for the sport, if he wants to squish NIL a little bit, if he wants to slow this pace down, is say, we should have a salary cap for coaches. Like, we should, we should cap out. And if we cap out, then you won't have the disparity. But we've created this mess. We have created it's all about the coaches, and the coaches mean so much, and the coaches are so powerful on campus, and the coaches make so much money that now we've got the people that are helping us win and are so important to our success, meaning the five stars and the players and the quarterbacks and the rest. Now they're putting their hand out. 
Why can't Nick Saban realize that? Because I'll argue with anybody on planet Earth, and I don't live in the college world. Like, I don't know every in and out. But that is what's happened, folks. Like, the college coach making what he makes has led to the NIL situation where we are today. Not the TV deal, not the program making it, not the college making it, not the admissions in the crowds. The college coach making what he makes has led to the NIL to where it is today, to speed this thing up and get the kids a piece of the pie. I'm convinced of it. You'd have to really make a good argument to get me off of it. But I think that's what's happened, and I think people like Saban have the ability to admit that and admit that we've created this. And if he would, it would go a long way in my estimation. Probably, but nobody's trying to take a pay cut, right? So Yeah, but Nick Saban doesn't need any more money. No, but that doesn't still doesn't mean trying to take a pay cut, right? I understand he doesn't need any more money, but you're also not trying to give that money back. I will double down on what you're saying in terms of with the NIL. You're right, and it comes back to the same thing with the transfer rule. You have the opportunity to leave for more money if you're a coach, and for so long you wouldn't let the athlete leave for no money, keep in mind, for just a better situation. So you double that with what you're saying about the NIL, and yeah, people like Nick Saban making the huge money and the coaches choosing to leave for big money, see Lincoln Riley and others, that has caused this problem. And yeah, I'm not going to try to make an argument to uh, try to shoot yours down because I agree with you. It comes down to... It's, it's not, you're exactly right, it's big business. It's not an amateur sport anymore. And if we're, gonna, we're not going to treat these athletes like it anymore because they are professional. They're playing at the second highest level that you can and an extremely high level. So for me, I agree with exactly what you're saying. Nick Saban has chosen to go down this route and try to blame NIL when you could be pointing the finger at yourself, but obviously he's not going to do that. Yeah, I, by the way, I like your point that you just said about the transfer portal because I do think that's a, a trickle-down effect, too. That's one, uh, you know, I've, all, I've said this. I'm in the favor of the student-athlete because I think the student-athlete gets screwed most of the time. I think it's a bad business. I think it's slippery business. I think they mean well. They want to impact young people's lives. That's cool. They're good, they're good leaders in a lot of ways. They're, they're very good at their profession in a lot of ways. But the way the system has been set up, and again, coaches becoming so big, coaches going to the next job to get the next pay raise, to get the next contract, and leaving everybody behind, which is anybody's human right to do at any job, has also created what, in your point, the transfer portal, where you have to give some power to a student athlete. This is very simple. Star-studded five-star kid gets recruited to big-time college school when he's in eighth grade, ninth grade. He has to commit because it's a numbers game. Or they might have to commit by their sophomore year, 15 years old, 16 years old. Well, by the time that kid gets to campus, they already have three other five-stars probably. Oh, competition. You're afraid of competition. No, not afraid of competition. That kid's not afraid of competition. That kid also knows that two other five-stars are probably coming in this position in the next couple years. And, by the way, that coach might not even be there the next year because he's taking a different job or he got fired, and now the guy that recruited him is no longer there and has no favor toward him. And, and the new coach comes in, you don't know what to expect. Like, that's just the way the world works in college athletics. And the kid is all in there kind of trying to figure out, I have to make one of the biggest decisions of my life at 15 years old because they're squeezing me to do so or they're going to go get the next guy. Meanwhile, parents have no clue what to do, but they're all enamored in it. Or you don't have a great parental situation and you're leaning on people that maybe you shouldn't lean on. Mm -hmm. And so 
therefore, at the end of the day, college coaches have been forced to win so much or they lose their job, so they have to keep go getting the best players, the best players, break promises, it doesn't matter. College coaches then would go to the next best thing, which they should for their families probably, but guess who gets left in the dust? Sometimes it's a student-athlete. And meanwhile, back here, we, don't, we like to blame the student-athlete for not wanting to compete. Kid's fine with competing with one five-star. If he's going to go compete with three, four, or five five-stars for a position, it's a different animal. And he was promised something that you no longer can fulfill. See the so Georgia quarterback promise. room. They got and all those five-stars. I always stars. bring up the Georgia quarterback room because you know – and by the way, this is great recruiting by Kirby Smart, right? Well, Jacob Eason, five-star. Jacob Fromm, five-star. Justin Fields, five-star. And what we saw un- uh, unveil itself there is – in my estimation, they probably brought those guys in and said, hey, we love you. You're going mm-hmm. to turn this. You're going to win the first national championship in 40 years in Georgia. And you're going to be in a Heisman conversation. Well, they sold all three guys that because that's what you do with a five-star guy. Meanwhile, let's just go trying to replace the guy they just told that to. Just in case that guy gets hurt. Just in case that kid leaves. Just in case he's not good enough and I missed on the five-star. Well, the crazy part about all that was Jake Fromm holds off, does well, makes a championship game, ends up losing. Justin Fields, meanwhile, might be the better guy, but I do give credit for – I give credit to Kirby for this. He was loyal to Fromm. The move to to probably there was to go to Justin Fields. It was. And fans wanted it to happen. But I give credit to Kirby, even though I also criticize the system Kirby's in, because Kirby at least stuck with Fromm, who had earned the right to probably play. And meanwhile, Justin Fields goes, he's probably better, he's definitely better than him, and he goes to Ohio State, he transfers out. And you know what? I think everything there at the end of the day was done okay, but the Georgia fan's not happy because the best guy that might have won us a national championship wasn't playing for us. Well, Coach was pretty loyal to the guy that had earned it and taken you to the national championship. Kid had the right to transfer, and so he did because he got an opportunity to play because you told him he would play. He just did it at a different school. Yeah. And at the end of the day, Georgia probably loses in the end because, well, that third guy you brought in was better, really, than the second guy. And But, but that's the nature of it. Yeah, and at the end of the day for Georgia, all it took was Stetson Bennett the fourth. Come on, people. Do we really have to go after the five stars? Just look for Stetson Bennett. <laughs> I know. So, anyway, listen, I know it's, no, it's not easy. It's not a blanket deal. But I'm just telling you, Nick Saban, who you want to go point fingers at, at Jimbo Fisher, You might be the biggest kingpin problem of the entire system. Why? Because you're so damn good, but you also ain't afraid to take an $11.5 million a year salary. And that was the one, that was the thing that got us into the NIL. The coaches making the amount of money they make. And the big business of the sport has got us into the NIL. It wasn't women's tennis that said we need an NIL, by the way. Sure. It was people like Justin Fields, people like, and Tim Tebow actually was against it, but how much money did Tim Tebow make people in Gainesville? Yeah. It's the greatest example of all time, and Tim can disagree with NIL or whatever, but he's the one that should have been paid. Yeah. And and still should get paid. And can you imagine if Tim Tebow was a recruit right now? Oh, my gosh. I mean, yeah. yeah, So, listen, the system is never going to be perfect. It's probably broken now, but uh, saving pointing fingers at the other team. Has a bad look. It ain't I, it. I think he could have done a lot to point his finger at himself and coaches in general and the system in general and maybe done better off today than what he did against Texas A&M last night.
uh, in that setting. All right, we'll take a break. We come back and talk a little Baldwin softball on the way. Plus, we'll hear from uh, a Hollywood actor and talk a little golf, too, here on the show. It'll be a little bit different. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Uh, Casey, back in the Action Sports Shacks studios. Brent Martineau here at Baldwin High School. And uh, make sure you let me know if everything sounds okay, uh, Casey, as we now welcome in Jennifer Shields uh, before a big game tonight uh, against uh, Keystone Heights in the regional finals. Baldwin softball head coach, thanks for having us out. By the, I mean, this is a party out here now. I know you guys got business to do, but uh, we're in center field. The pickup truck row is pretty cool. Oh, yeah, it's going to it's gonna be uh, getting lit tonight. I know they started getting here about 1 o'clock today to get their <laughs> spot, so... Uh, the girls love it, though. It, it, they love all the uh, energy and the and the support we got. Well, you guys have been outstanding all year. I, heck, I lost the win-loss total. I think you only lost a couple of times, uh, which is very hard to do, obviously, in this sport. We were just talking about the parity around here in uh, high school softball. What's made you so good? Uh, I guess we could start with Piper Young, huh? Right. Uh, well, when Piper's on her game. She's really tough to hit, and, you know, she's had a great senior year, really great. She's, uh, you know, when she's on, it, it's – yeah, we're going to hit, too. So, um, yeah, well, she, she's our leader this year, and, you know, as she goes, we go. Were you a little bit surprised uh, the other day, I mean, to put up those kind of fireworks and then literal, literal fireworks after the game? But, I mean, 12, that's a really good team you guys played. You don't usually see it this time right, of year. Yeah. Listen, there are some weak spots in classifications, and others are beating up on people. But this isn't one of them. You had to beat Episcopal in, right. in round one. And then I think Florida High was like a top-20 team in the state. Right. They've been ranked number one in 3A for most of the season. And, um, you know, we played them in the district championship game, tight game. Um, they got a few girls committed. I think they had their third baseman's committed to FSU. Um, so, you know, we knew it was going to be a tight game. And I told my girls before the game, I was like, this is, you know, a seven-inning game. We're going to have to fight through it. And then they just come out. I mean, that's one of the better games we've played all season. Hitting, pitching, Piper was awesome. Defense was lights out. And, you know, one through nine, I think almost everybody had one or two hits. Yeah. So it was just it's a good time to have you. Good game. Great, it was a great time for them to show up. Well, you'll need it again tonight. Keystone Heights, uh, we've seen them a little bit uh, on the circuit uh, this yeah. year in high school. I know they can pitch it and they can hit it. And, and they've got some veterans, too, which I think makes a difference this yeah. time of year, right? It does. They, they're, they're really good. Their pitching is really good. They're, uh, they got a really good shortstop. Um, they're going to be tough. They're, you know, they're going to be fired up, ready to go. So, should be a great game. What is, uh, what's the atmosphere like at practice right about now for you guys? I mean, is it just, hey, have a lot of fun and it and is. and low key as much as you can? It's low key, just trying to get through it. You know, there's, so, I don't, for some reason, softball in the playoffs, we have so many days off between games. You know, it's getting hot. It's the end of the school year. You know, kids aren't wanting to be at school, but. It's have fun, you know, enjoy these last few days, you know, get some swings in and, and you know, just be ready to go the next day. Uh, what, uh, what about the Final Four and the history and the, the success you guys have already had? I mean, you guys have good softball. Uh, like I said, there's good softball all over the place, but what does it mean if you can punch your ticket to the Final Four for Baldwin High School? Yeah, I think it'll be great. It'll be the first time um, I believe a team's been to the Final Four um, for a team sport. So, it, so any team sport. Yes. Wow. 
Yeah, so we're, we're really excited about that. We want to be the first ones to do it. Um, what's exciting is a lot of my kids, their parents went to Baldwin, graduated from Baldwin. So, you know, their whole family's out here, and they're wanting them to do it. And it's, you know, we're just a big family. So we, we're real excited to try to have that opportunity. That'd be cool. And uh, speaking yeah. of, I mean, you got a lot of youth, too. I mean, we talk about Piper Young. You obviously have to have some of the upperclassmen carrying the way. But, I mean, you've got eighth graders in your lineup starting, like three of them, right. I think. And then you mentioned you even got a, a younger girl's uh, seventh grader that can right. pitch too i mean that's uh that's unusual right because out here you can play middle yeah. schoolers and you might need middle schoolers to right. fill out the roster it is the, the, the middle schoolers you know they're still young and they have all that a lot of energy and they're not really too scared yet um you know and, and you know they're, they're ballers they can play um obviously piper and kayla are two we only have two seniors and they're our leaders and then you know we roll with mostly eighth ninth and tenth graders so. that's really cool um yeah what you don't know what you don't know right yeah sometimes yeah, that's sometimes good sometimes it's good yeah you know they don't know like oh well, final four they don't you know they don't even they don't they don't know yet so what is it like uh, i mean i love it out here you can already tell with the pickup trucks and and uh the barbecue and everyone's restaurant i just stopped by and oh, i mean spot. we don't get out here all the time just uh because the nature of the proximity more so uh then, then i gotta hustle on tv but as a you just kind of mentioned it small town community small town, and and yeah. that's kind of cool right it is it's a great spot to be out here in baldwin um you know, like I said, my assistant coach, Bobby, he graduated from Baldwin. His daughters played here, graduated, his whole family. So he's real pumped up. He really wants to get to the Final Four. And, you know, like I said, there's so many people. All these people, these trucks, um, I don't think any of them have daughters playing on the team. They're just, you know, mem went to Baldwin or they graduated from Baldwin and they live around here and they're just big supporters of us. And we do have, we will have some parents, you know, but, you know, most parents like to sit up there in the stands. So a lot of these guys are just fans. That's cool. You know, that went to Baldwin and want to see us do great. But you'll see the little kids from the neighborhood will run around. They'll come up to the game and watch. And it's just, it's a family atmosphere out here. Well, I saw a picture one of the moms, I think, shared with us uh, that they had played, a bunch of them had played since they were little. Right. Right. I mean, it sometimes you get away especially with some of the private schools people come in all over right. i mean this is kind of that that old school yeah. we played in little league we, yeah. we're playing in high school kind of feeling i mean i think a lot of the communities but again we live in st john's county the zoning has separated so many of that right. and you could sh switch schools every three years basically right. not here i not mean here. you kind of get that feel don't you we do actually so eight of our non-starters started playing travel ball together when they were eight years old wow so you know in that that kind of, I think, a lot of our success is this year we're just, they're so comfortable with each other and, you know, they pick each other up, but they're also not scared to get on one another when they need to. And, you know, they're like sisters. They've just been growing up playing softball. Now, some of them have, you know, changed teams here and there, but for the most part, they stayed together since they were eight. So That's really cool. That helps I mean, with our team chemistry a lot. It's got to. Uh, it's yeah. got to. As long as they like each other. Yeah. Some days. <laughs> some days they do. Yeah, they're like sisters. I was going to say. But they'll come back and give each other a hug. That's the big part. Um, Jennifer Shields with us, a Baldwin softball coach. I played tonight against Keystone Heights, a regional final game for the right to go to the Final Four. And I just learned that first team that could go to the Final Four in Baldwin history in any sport, which is really cool. Also got a spring football game over here. This place is going to be hopping uh, it's tonight, be down tonight for sure, <laughs> which is so. cool. Uh, the uh, for you personally to see them grow up all through this right. time. You also have daughters of your own. Yeah. I mean, this. You told me you're already a little bit nervous. I mean, it's hard not to be. Uh, you get the butterflies going and the anxiety going. But, right. I mean, it, how about for you? Uh, you've been around this program a while now. What would it mean to you? Um, it would mean a lot. You know, like I said, like Piper and Kayla, they've been with me since sixth grade. They started with me. And, and it's just 
it's a, that's what I love about Baldwin. You get to see them grow up from sixth grade to twelfth grade. You know, you don't have them just for middle school or just for high school. And you know, a lot of these ninth graders I've had since sixth grade, and they've grown up and you know they've worked really hard. And um, obviously, I'm I'm more nervous than they are because they're just out here playing yeah. the game. And um, they got the easy part. They got the easy. That's why I told them. I'm like, y'all got the easy part. I got the hard part. But it's just special, you know. Like I said, to try to get us to our first Final Four. Well, good luck tonight. Uh, also, this game that moved uh, is because of graduation for Keystone Heights. And right. was that a big thing, or was that that's pretty nice of you guys? To, uh, you had the option, right? Right. We yeah. I mean, we did have the option, but my thing is like we we're out here for the kids. So, you know, whatever's going to help. I'm not, you can't tell an 18-year-old to pick a softball game or a high school graduation. So it was no big deal for us. You know, we'll play whenever. And I just want them, you know, glad they get to go to graduation. That's awesome. Uh, good on you guys. And uh, good luck tonight uh, to both teams, really. But hopefully we get a heck of a, a softball game out here at 7 o'clock tonight. Come on out to Baldwin. you still got plenty of time to do that. Jennifer Shields, thanks for uh, jumping in with us. Thanks for having us. And thanks for coming out. We're, uh, we're extremely excited. Yeah, so hopefully we'll, we'll play well tonight. You bet. Uh, we're excited to be here. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN. 690 rolls on from the pickup trucks here at Baldwin High School right after this.